My name is Kevin Hill, Kevin Charles John Hill, for those people who want the full names. You're one of those special four-name kind of guys. You're, you have three first names, almost. Yeah, well, well usually the middle name, unless uh, you're going for something which, weird. Which middle name do you care more about? I think Charles. Okay. Also, people who find out my middle name is Charles then like to scream Charles uh, at me. That's a thing? Mm-hmm, Yeah. And so I think that's had more an impact on my life. Technically, uh, John is my confirmed name. And the name I personally identify more with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, of course. I, I was rooting for John well, when I asked yeah. you. Oh, I sorry. Well, the story with John is uh, basically when we got confirmed as Catholics, they were like, uh, you have to pick a saint's name. And, and they were like, uh, you can pick anybody, like St. John the Baptist. I'm like, yep, I'll take that, please. <laughs> and like, You weren't like, was there a St. Kevin? Yeah, I didn't like scroll through saints' names online. They were <laughs> like, you could be St. John the Baptist. I said, I'll be St. John the Baptist, because that's the least amount of work. There probably was a St. Kevin, but he just did some embarrassing shit, so they just wrote him out of the histories. Yeah, he, he probably failed at something miserably and didn't make the cut in uh, any of the Gospels. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think Kevin was uh, a name back in early uh, Jerusalem well, days. Well, Kevin, Kevin back then. Oh boy! <laughs> All right, let's 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 get this uh, ship afloat before it sinks in harbor. We've got uh, I'm Kevin Hill, and across from me is a man with a middle name that has a close connection to probably the best written book series of all time. It's John Cullen Lake. But you you can for all you listening out there, you can just call me Johnny. But I, I do appreciate the uh, the cultural relativity of my middle name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Cultural I mean, relevance. it's had a big impact on many people in 2008 and probably a lot less of an impact on 2018, though uh, we are early in the year, so That's you never true. know. And, you know, without Twilight, we never would have gotten the masterpiece of Fifty Shades of Grey, so... Mm, yeah, because... You know, um, you're welcome, Lizzie. Who's the author of Fifty Shades of Grey? E.L. James. E.L. James would never have written that Twilight fan fiction. She I never... don't... I, I want to pretend as though I had Googled Fifty Shades of Grey shortly before mentioning it, but no, I, I just know. knew that name off the top of my head, and I, you know. I don't know how to feel about that. You know, I think it's funny that, you know, you probably can't name... Over 20 presidents, but you can name E.L. James. We'll do the President's Podcast next time. Okay. And yeah. I'll try to name more than 20 of them. Okay, but you can't study in the meantime. Uh, yeah, that's true. Okay. You're not allowed oh, to study. Okay. I won't cheat. You'll, we'll get you two glasses of wine deep, and then you'll be like, <laughs> be Milford something? Remind me? Remind there me? Milford, wasn't there? There's a Rutherford. Uh, Rutherford B. Hayes. See, he, you're already he, off to a bad like start. A that was the thing. Bet the under. Uh, <laughs> if you're going to bet between next episode. All right, so I'm Kevin Hill. This is John Lake. Hi. And you're listening to the first episode of our podcast, Kicking and Streaming, um, a podcast where we are going to kick it and then stream it. Uh, John, you want to explain? Uh, Johnny, sorry, sorry. Do you want to explain it for uh, our two fans as... Well, right now? Uh, you think we 
already have two? Well, my mom, my dad. I uh, mean, <laughs> uh, well, we, I think we might have the over then because I, I can maybe convince my sister to listen. But um, three, of course. Um, yes, what you were saying, kicking and streaming. We um, we sort of have a habit of just on uh, any old night, sometimes just kicking back to some uh, to some Netflix thing, you know, just out of boredom. And uh, since knowing each other, we've kind of gotten in the habit of watching bad or controversial movies solely for the intent of picking them apart uh, while watching them. And it's uh, it's something that I've grown to love very much, and I think that's a big part of the reason why we sort of started this, uh, you know, podcast operation, if not just for a little bit of fun and enjoyment, but to share our ridiculous uh, thoughts and whims about the shitty movies of Netflix and HBO Go and all the other streaming services. Yeah, I mean, there is a lot of crap out there. <laughs> Just, there's a ton, so many bad movies. And it's like, what I think as you get older, too, is you realize how bad some of these movies are. Just when, kind of nowadays, when we're given such great films, like Star Wars The Last Jedi, which we'll get to... <laughs> We will uh, get to that. We will we get to that. We have plenty of steaming hot takes. Yeah. Uh, you really see the crap for what the crap is. And what's great is uh, there's all these streaming websites now that basically just catalog all this. Just god-awfully edited, acted, produced uh, films. And uh, so at the end of the podcast, I write, have a right here... Hope you can hear that. At the end of this first podcast that we're doing. Which yeah, not the end of the entire podcast. <laughs> Though we may give up after this one. <laughs> this is an experiment that may, that, uh, yeah, may not go so well. Um, I have here a list of 20 Netflix titles uh, that are guaranteed stinkers. Guaranteed stinkers from IMDb and Google that are on Netflix. And Johnny is going to pick out our first film for the streaming portion of this podcast, which will be a separate episode. I have a question yes. before we start. Um, is the movie Kicking and Screaming an option, or was that deemed too good of a movie to be on this list? Uh, I mean, it, it depends how you judge post-SNL, mid-2000s Will Ferrell. Do you think Will Ferrell was better in his Kicking and Screaming days or better now? Um, I'm going to say Kicking and Screaming days, but I have the bias of being 12 years old. At what, heart. Like, at heart, yes. And body. But, um, but uh, back then when Will Ferrell like was his end of SNL and when he like went off and did movies, I found those to be just absolutely hilarious. And so I did not see uh, Kicking and Screaming on there. But uh, definitely one of Robert Duvall's best films. Um. <laughs> so, so, so the, the... It's like the Kicking and Screaming, The Godfather. <laughs> it's, yeah. So... Oh, I forgot that Robert Duvall was the, the father character in that movie. That's great. And mm -hmm. I actually just watched The Godfather recently again, so that's a good, um, that's a good comparison. Mm -hmm. it, yeah, I always do like to compare films to The Godfather. I think you should compare every film to The Godfather. Yeah, including The Godfather. Mm -hmm. Well, The Godfather Part Two. Are you a Godfather Part Two guy? I have not seen The Godfather Part Two actually. Um, wow. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so, so we'll move on from that embarrassment by saying, so these uh, Netflix uh, sort of watch and uh, and joke sessions 
and belittle and banter. Um, that'll be probably 50% of our focus on the podcast, more or less. And then we're sort of, uh, I think our plan is to kind of do just weekly sort of mailbag, uh, not mailbag because we won't have anyone listening to these, but just sort of discussions yeah. on kind of what has, uh, what has intrigued us over the course of the week or what's kind of happening in the world or kind of something that we saw that was a little more niche that we, may, we might want to just like uh, kind of bullshit about because that's also a part of this is just uh, talking about weird stuff with friends and hoping that uh, other people out there in the ether uh, actually identify with it as well. So that's sort of the vibe of what uh, we're going for. Just here. kicking it. Yes, we are just kicking it and every once in a while we'll be screaming. Yeah, yeah. Who knows? Yeah, depending on the subject matter. Yeah, and the number of drinks uh, we have before we start these. Start off with one drink each before we began recording. <laughs> and uh, probably as the podcast goes on, we'll increase that number. That's true. Um, so uh, also, if you have a bad movie that is available to stream on Netflix or HBO Go or um, Amazon Prime, we have. Don't give us Hulu. We do not have Hulu. We may never have Hulu unless they keep taking all these NBC shows away. Um, but Johnny, how can um, our fans, a.k.a. my mom, my dad, and uh, your sister, <laughs> reach out to us uh, and send us a bad film recommendation? And it's funny you ask, Kevin, because we actually just reserved our our uh, Gmail address today. And yeah, it's is, a very hard process to yeah, start a Gmail it's account. it's really tough. You have to open up the web page. Mm-hmm. You've got all these fields that you have to type, you know, letters and numbers into. Mm-hmm. And it's just very arduous. And we finally, you know, kind of, you know, uh, put the foot down and made it happen before we started this first podcast. So we kind of have our feet under us as, as, as far as outreach goes. So without further ado, if you mm-hmm. would like to... You know, get on our case for being crappy podcast hosts or say hi if you're Kevin's mom or mm-hmm. to uh, recommend to us crappy movies that you would like to hear us make fun of and, and kind of just hang out and, and watch and uh, laugh about, then please email us at kickingandstreamingpod at gmail.com. That's kicking, A-N-D, streaming pod mm-hmm. at back <laughs> that's uh that's exactly how uh we planned it out folks. Uh, it's just, we're it's, back uh, yeah give us a give us a give us a few seconds uh let's hang back in there so johnny is uh 2018 now 2018 what are your some of your uh goals for 2018 by goals, Kevin, uh, might you mean a little, a little something known as a New Year's resolution? Yes, a New Year's resolution. Well, it's good that I've previously told you what my two New Year's resolutions are, but for the purposes of the as a thousands dear of yours, and thousands, I definitely remember what they are. As, as your great, your best friends, I definitely remember what the two are that you told me. Right, it you was it me. was ten forty five p.m. on January on December thirty first, so I, I couldn't yeah. expect too much of you. I like how people would say that, like you know, January first, I'm gonna start my New Year's resolution. I, I 
think it's more January 2nd. It's more like January 3rd. I think you're right? hungover and you're watching uh, the Harry Potter marathon. No, actually, I... I I, my, when I broke one of my goals by not doing it on January 1st. So anyway, my, my goals for January uh, for the new year for 2018, which inevitably probably, probably April will be completely abandoned and, uh, and completely forgotten, are one, to write something every day. Uh, I'll probably start out as like a journal entry type thing, but it hopefully evolves into something more uh, creative. Um, I've been inspired by Kevin and all of his uh, writing endeavors, so I want to I want to create something for myself as well as do this podcast. And I figure that's the way to do it, just to make myself do it, write about literally anything. And then um, uh, my second New Year's resolution was to um, run over a thousand miles in 2018, and I am already uh, all more. <laughs> How many are you at so far? Well, I ran, I ran uh, around about six and a half miles today. Oh. So I didn't run on January 1st, but I totally made up for it. And did you do a journal entry on January 1st? No, I forgot. <laughs> January okay, <so>. 1st. <laughs> I totally forgot. But I did one today already. I already did one today, and right, it's January 2nd, so... Um, what about you, Kevin? Uh, how did 2017 treat you? How does that make you think about 2018? And what sort of things do you would, would you like to have in store? What kind of goals are you setting for yourself? Uh, I think a goal, a general theme, is uh, just kind of work a lot harder uh, than I did in 2017. I had a lot of uh, like, ah, I'll get started on something tomorrow. Day, <laughs> or I'll, oh, I'll write that bit tomorrow. But uh, I think uh, you just gotta kind of work hard and write until uh, you're exhausted. There's a lot of times of like, I'll get to bed early so I can wake up early. And then I went to bed early. And, and then woke up at 10 a.m. Woke up at 10 a.m. Woke up and still tired because <laughs> I do that thing where I set my alarm and then the dream was so good that I woke up from that I go back to the dream. Like, um, yeah. I find that sleeping for 10 hours is the same thing as sleeping for like Four and a half hours for me. I, anything beyond like eight hours of sleep, or or like eight and a half hours of sleep, I, I wake up like a goddamn zombie. Like my mm-hmm. hair is all weird, and I've been just I've been asleep too long. I've been I've been not awake for too long. I wake up to the world, and I'm like, no, this is, this is all wrong. Um, <laughs> well, well, I think that's your sleep cycle, correct? You may, you may be right. Because I got one of those sleep cycle apps, and. Uh, you say, like, what time it is as you're getting ready to go to bed. And it's like, okay, we're giving you seven minutes to fall asleep. And I'm like, seven minutes? <laughs> I spend that seven minutes worrying that if I don't fall asleep in seven minutes, I'll ruin the sleep cycle. And then it, like, becomes eight minutes. I'm like, oh, sleep cycle ruined. So much for those useful apps, am I right? Yeah, I know. It's one of those free apps. And then uh, I just let them have my data. So I could try to sleep better. Well, now that our listeners have likely heard the giggles and laughs of the third person who has joined us in the room, why don't we formally introduce him? Uh, you don't have to wave, Steve. I, I cannot see you. We have a, <laughs> uh, yeah, our, fourth, our fourth fan. <laughs> yeah, our, our fourth subscriber. Um, Steve Kernick, everyone. Uh, dear, dear, close personal friend of mine. A dear, dear friend of mine. Friend of the pod. And of the pod. And of yeah. the pod. More importantly. Yeah. And uh, so your think... personal friendship, Johnny. He's more, <laughs> yeah, no, he's more important to me in as much as he joins the podcast Kidding, than he course. is to me as uh, a, a close personal friend and confidant. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but we'll just sort of let Steve do his 2018 sort of thing. How was 2017 for you? How do you feel 2018 is going to be? And what sort of goals do you have in mind? Wow. Um, well, first of all, great to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. <clears throat> Goals-wise, or I said starting Whatever you feel, man. How do you feel? Well, I feel great. I'm really excited Personally, to be right now, where you are in your life, physically, mentally. Yeah. Physically, holding a microphone a little bit, kind of tentatively, <laughs> a little bit nervously. Uh, but, you know, 2018 at large, like, really psyched about it. Cool. Do you have any specific... Uh, um, New Year's resolutions or any goals or any sort of things that you want to see yourself do in the new year? Well, I'm I'm firmly in the camp of no resolutions. Ah. I'm I'm on that side of there's the There's low res and then there's no res. No res. Steve is of the no res I'm camp. Of the no res, 100%. But I, I can respect anybody's so resolution. So do you believe in stuff like vision boards? Are you like, I'm going to so, visualize it? So, yes. But so, if you write it down, you'll never achieve it? Steve's big on Pinterest. <laughs> you should see right. Steve's Pinterest. Yeah. <laughs> see me on Pinterest. Yeah, he's got vision board, vision board 2016, vision board 2017, and I haven't checked yet, but vision <laughs> 2018, board 2018 is on there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to give you a couple weeks, but yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, so for me, it's more set goals, set intermediate goals, set long-term goals, and then the short-term goals. And I think for me, actually, the short-term goals are really where I want to set my sights in 2018 is like... You know, doing things every single day okay. that are gonna, you know, take me to those goals. Because I think for me, it's like if you're if you're looking too far out, you know, you may throw things away. Be like, I'll do these later, but you have to take the short steps. Okay, so it's so, more of a of a day by day. It's sort a day of, by day. Do, do a little thing every day, kind of thing for you. Exactly. It's, it's a, try to be con- con- consistently productive. Very much consistently so. constructive. Consistently constructive. Love it. That's put good. it on the mood board. Yeah, I'll, well, I'll I'll make a note of that, and you can put that. You can make that a new uh, board on your Pinterest. Is is uh, consistently constructive, constructive. and that cool. can that can be if if we ever get successful in this whole podcast thing, that can be a pod that you and I have is consistently constructive. <laughs> where all self-help. we do, where all we do is review reviews. <laughs> I think this we need to is get there. Indication, and you will eventually all be just meta each other. Right. <laughs> We're a podcast about podcasts, and we will be reviewing reviews. Well, sponsored by podcasts. Yes. Sponsored by podcasts. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and segue, if we're ready, reviewing reviews. I think one central theme of the next... No, yeah, please do, please do, yes. One central theme of the next discussion point, I think, that we had discussed was the movie Star Wars. Yes. Yeah, let's, let's, uh... and, yeah, let's jump right and, into it. Do you, you have anything? Well, new? and and the fact that, you know, th- there's very clearly two sides of how, how that movie is being seen. It's like you have, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes reviewers, uh-huh. you have the fan score and the critic score. Yeah. And they're both very different. So where do you guys sit? The most different in the history of Rotten Tomatoes, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Interesting. I will have to check. So I will have to check to back up that thing because that's not Claudius a note that I made. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Producer Claudius. We're not doing this at our dining table. <laughs> Just to bring it back, the point was we we're reviewing a review, right? So that that was my segue there. Well, I that I, wasn't clear. I think what has happened and. Um, 
is setting up the first film is the two years that affected The Force Awakens, I think definitely affected uh, The Last Jedi. Because I think what happened when The Force Awakens came out, it was very much traditional Star Wars. It was very much escapism. It was very much uh, familiar. And a lot of people at the time initially liked it. They were like, this isn't you know, like anything that changes the game, but this is a fun film. The characters are the same characters. There's no unique, weird characters. You know, this is fun. And then in the next year, the backlash started coming against The Force Awakens. And they were like, you, you know, you know, they didn't take any risks. They just redid, you know, A New Hope. And there's right. a lot of backlash against that. And I think what's interesting now and ironic is a lot of the people who had backlash against The Force Awakens a year later before seeing it and before The Last Jedi came out are now some of the same people who are hating how much The Last Jedi subverted Star Wars. And I don't think it necessarily subverted it more than mm -hmm. took it in the direction it needed to go in order for the series to survive. Right, and to move forward. Yeah, past episode 9 and into new trilogies, into God knows how many stories. Might you say, Kevin, that uh, Star Wars The Last Jedi killed the past? Killed the past? Killed the past? Would you project the past? That's pretty good. Not if you have to. Kill the I don't know. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm driving girls. I don't know, like, I've been, the past. I've been, I've been, like, working on my packs and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can we talk about how big Adam Driver got? <laughs> not even just, like, not even, like, swole, but just no. large. Just okay. big. Just a large just guy. Big okay. in that I movie. I don't think so, because he had, I'm not like, saying he's unfit. He's fitter than I am. Yeah. He had, like, he had to me, like, that 1950s, but like, why do you body go that with when the they had belly the tall... button pants? <laughs> why do you pull the pants up there, though? There's something know, wrong there. I don't know. If you had the opportunity to go... See, that's what I'm saying. Okay, okay. Is he's that just he's physically he's a very, he's a very like wide-shouldered guy yeah. and he's very fit we've seen him in many states of undressing girls uh you know the man was a marine at one point but i i, I thought that was a delightfully awkward and weird part of this movie was <laughs> his one scene his one force time scene with ray where he was just like oh oh my shirt's off can can you see me <laughs> <laughs> I, I can see you so can you see me <laughs> but okay sorry so to so to 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 step away from the goofy commentary that we have about the movie and to talk more about uh sort of what the movie was and what happened and what we liked in it um do you kevin do you want to just sort of from memory give us a little rundown of you know, sort of the new things that happened in this movie, kind of the storyline roughly, you know, the comings and goings, what have you. Well, I, I think um, this Star Wars, just to start off generally, and then we can whittle down to specific scenes, is it really about character development. And I think that's what I love most about this movie. And I think that's what critics love most about this movie was just how every storyline, whether you think it goes anywhere or not, develops the characters. And it really takes the characters down uh, their own paths, and they grow as characters, and they fail as characters. Yeah. You can look at that casino plot as like, oh, it was just, you know, random side B story, you know? Mm -hmm. But really, it's a story about how Finn learns to become a rebel, 
and how he learns that, you know, all these quests that these rebels always do, you know, we gotta take out this uh, Star Destroyer thing. All these mission yeah. possible, last minute escapes. All these missions to stop these escapes. spherical devices that shoot <laughs> beams and destroy planets. You know, they can't always work out all the time. And I think if Kill the Past is the biggest theme of, uh, you know, The Last Jedi, the sub-theme of it is learning from failure and developing from failure. And so what I think it is, is uh, less of a movie about, you know, getting from A to B, which they are kind of trying to do, but also, you know, developing. And I think every one of the major characters, uh, Finn, Ray, uh, Poe? Poe Dameron? Uh, <laughs> I've heard of you, po? your flyboy. Poe Dameron? Uh, trigger happy flyboy. Yeah, he's yeah, the trigger, trigger happy flyboy. Yeah. I mean, his arc is basically, you know, people are like, what, what was Poe's arc? It's basically becoming the trigger-happy flyboy <laughs> to a guy, from that to a guy who can, like, actually lead a rebellion. Right, I right. Mean, and I think not a lot of people picked up on that. And I think it's interesting that critics picked up on that because I feel like critics have to see movie after movie after movie with no character development. You know, critics aren't big Star Wars fans either. Mm. So if a critic goes into seeing this major blockbuster and goes, oh, shit, look at all this character development. Right, that says these something. these characters grow in this major two-and-a-half-hour blockbuster, I think they were surprised by that, and that's why he got a lot of glowing reviews. I agree. I, I think uh, it was not... It was probably the least Star Wars, Star Wars movie. I think that's something that you texted to me mm -hmm. uh, after you'd finally seen it, after I'd been pestering you for six or seven days after I saw it. Mm -hmm. um, so why, why, don't we, why don't we go from there, the sort of context of our first watchings and yeah. how that might have reflected on our interpretation of it or anything like that. So I'll start. Um, the Monday, I think it was... I think it was December like 18th or something. It was like the end of the first weekend where it came out. Yeah. Steve and I went to see it uh, on a Monday night in uh, at the Union Square cinema uh, at, the, at the Union Square theaters, and that was fun because it was a huge theater. We got some good seats. We got there nice and early, mm -hmm. and um, just it was like very little like no interruptions we were there like like I, I never show up to movies like that early so to be there and like be ready and have the whole experience of like the previews and then the lights go down and everything and the you know the, the title the, the opening scroll first comes out and people get excited like that was great I was right in it right away and then after the movie I knew it was really good but I didn't I don't think I was able to fully appreciate how how good it was right away because I was still watching. I still went there to watch the the eighth Star Wars movie, right? Mm -hmm. And I saw the eighth Star Wars movie, and it was great. And I walked out of there night success. And then in the days and and, uh, and then you read all the reviews afterwards. Online, I start to like, read the reviews, oh, and I start wait. to realize, wow, I'm really disagreeing with these people. I watched a really cool movie, and and that's just it. I watched like a cool movie. I didn't necessarily just watch. You know, Star Wars Episode Eight. Uh, you know, you can comp you could you could just throw somebody who's never heard of Star Wars, never seen anything about it, um, into the, watching this movie, and they'd have a good ass time. They they there would probably be some there would probably be some parts where. Well, I I think what I liked about it more was that it's the movie that's like okay, you fans of the original, this is the last one. Now we're going in a totally new direct direction. And I felt like this was like the last film for like the major Star Wars fans. And they're like, all right, you know what? 
we're done here, we're done with Luke, now we're going to move on for the new generation. I don't know if you felt that towards the end, to jump ahead to the end, but I felt like this was more a conclusion than uh, an opening. Okay. I no, I, I, I guess I see what you mean there. Well, how did how did you see the movie? When was, what was the context of your first viewing? Well, I saw it uh, December 26th with my family over Christmas. Uh, kind of we all planned to see it together because my dad is a big Star this Wars the Bucks, fan. The Bucks County Mall uh, This was the Chamonix 24 screen, believe it or not. Um, Dolby. Uh, oh. Dolby. So Dolby, that's Hilar- good. Two hilarious yeah. quick stories for me. Please. One was that... Um, in front of me was this older man, older gentleman, uh, and he wouldn't sit down. Like, he just kind of, like, stood there, like, looking around the entire time through the previews. Not through the whole movie. <laughs> so this, this older man was standing yeah. for three I, hours? <laughs> walked in there. He, I probably had to take it for Jumanji. No, um... He, no, he was just standing through previews, and it was kind of weird, because like, they were going through previews, and we didn't know when the movie would start, so eventually, my mom was like, excuse me, sir, can you just, can you just sit down? And the man's like, huh? What? Okay, all right, sure. Like, <laughs> I think he knew where he was. Yeah. <laughs> I think he knew he was about to take his great breath and see a Star Wars film. Just then, took it as advice. <laughs> I um, was in a recliner seat, and so my dad was to the right of me, and my mom was to the right of my dad. And next to me was definitely a guy, and I don't mean stereotype. I don't mean to judge, but he was definitely a guy who was 38, 39 years old, probably started, saw The Empire Strikes Back when he was like four years old, thought it was the greatest thing of all time, uh, you know, just biggest Star Wars nerd, biggest Star Wars fanboy, because boy, was he huffing and puffing three seconds before every scene disapproved of. Opening scroll. <laughs> so yeah. overdone. Yeah. No, it wasn't that to get overdone, it was I'm more like kidding. every little, every joke, you know, like spoilers... From here on out, like Luke throwing back his lightsaber. Yep. You know, and obviously, like the opening with Poe Dameron, which I had a problem with. Like he just was like mad at like all the little things that people like the internet trolls are nitpicking about the film. He was the embodiment of all those was, internet trolls yeah. and Rotten Tomato reviewers, you know, giving it a fifty percent. Not my Star Wars. Oh, that's great! I like that. Yeah, so it was it was funny because I felt like I was really enjoying the movie, but then I had the internet sitting to the left of me. That's uh, fun the entire time. Hmm. Um, But yeah, so that was my experience, and I I still loved it because it starts off very weird with uh, the Poe Dameron jokey bit. It starts so it has it goes. In multiple of the storylines, you have the, the Ray on the island with with Luke storyline, mm-hmm. as well as kind of the main uh, sort of chase like storyline, the intergalactic um, you know chase that sort of happens and, and is drawn out throughout the course of this movie. Both of them start with very irreverent humor, mm-hmm. and it's a little bit disarming. Um, I I don't know why, but I enjoyed the. Poe Dameron, you know, screwing around with General Hux and kind of setting the table for General Hux to become a slapstick buffoon in this mm-hmm. uh, in this movie, which I'm not saying I, you know, broad strokes completely agree with, but I liked that portion. And then for some reason, I was a little bit, I was a little bit shaken by the Luke throwing of the of the lightsaber and mm-hmm. how he uh, was being like jokey and dismissive with Ray. You know, being like, oh, Jakku, well, that actually pretty much is nowhere. Um, But I thought it was exactly like you said, the, you know, these characters are not, 
Luke Skywalker, Leia, Organa, and Han Solo, the, the people that we know, they're like still relatively new characters that are still actually actively growing and changing in front of us, which was what was, what was fun. We still got a little bit of, of that emotion from the end of The Force Awakens where Rey is shaken up and pissed off that, that Kylo Ren killed his father, you know, Ben Solo killed his father, Han, and... Um, so we're hitting like these familiar notes from the old movies, but then doing new stuff like the Force Time with Kylo and but just even like and jokes. Ray. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I sort of like that it was just we we always came back to like either Leia or Holdo or like Poe being on a ship that's being chased by. The, like the first order like the entire time whether it's just like a, a few fighters or then like the dreadnought shows up and then you've got snoke's ship that ends up chasing them and then you know the kind of crazy like extended climax action that occurs when you know uh spoiler alert uh holdo vice admiral holdo played very well by laura dern i thought she can't help that her name and herself as a person is laura dern and that sticks out in the movie but she plays that character well if it was anyone other than Laura Dern saying the exact same words in the same way uh, as Laura Dern, it would be received very, very well, I think. Um, but it was just, you know, it was cool new stuff combining with somewhat older Force Awakens and, and further back, you know, um, Star Wars vibes. But at the same time, you know, exactly like Kylo said, you know, uh, a little bit of a a killing of the past and moving into the future. Well, Steve, I, I remember talking to you that you kind of had a bit of a problem with Luke's portrayal um, in this. Do you want to kind of talk about that? Because I think that kind of uh, goes well, to part of the reason why some people were mad. Sure. Well, I I don't know that I necessarily had a like a, an outright problem with it. I guess in the sense that character development does happen over what, 25, 30 years since the last one? Yeah. I get yeah. that. But, you know, the scene where, you know, Luke is, spoiler alert, hanging over, you know, uh, Adam Driver's bed and he's about to kill him with a lightsaber. I, I don't know. That's that's a hard, that's so a really, really hard left that. turn for Luke Skywalker. I mean, it definitely is a left turn. Narratively, I don't know if we've ever done flashbacks like that, have we? I think that might be a new Star Wars storytelling yeah. first, too, because I don't and think even, we did, like, like voiced-over flashbacks like that with someone telling a story in the movie and then the movie itself showing the viewer that story in true. real time. I, don't, I, don't, I think that's a new thing. And, and I think and, it worked well in this case because it showed the right. multiple perspectives. And that's of that the thing. Story. Three different ones. Yeah. Un, sort of an unreliable narrator. Who's yeah. telling the story? What are they trying to get across? And who's right? Everyone's know? telling their own story. And Luke, yeah. even the second time when uh, when Ray confronts him, right. gives a little bit more of the truth up to her. And it's a part of his whole thing that the Jedi are not perfect and they shouldn't be you know, lauded and honored as this mythical order that will save the earth and as these, you know, angels walking on the right. face of, you know, the planet. It's, they're, they're a flawed, uh, egotistical, you know, historical group of people that, yeah. that have almost always inadvertently shot themselves in the foot. And 
I would, I would, and the force is greater, and and right. the Je- Jedi as as what they are are fine, and they've made they've made mistakes, but the force as as what is as the energy holding it all being, together, being displaced, and yeah. and holding everything all together, and his uh, sort of uh, vision of that and how he respects it is is very telling. Yeah, yeah it's it's definitely it's a you know it's definitely a message to I felt like it was a message to all the older Star Wars fans. It's like, oh, you just thought uh, the Force was about, you know, lightsaber fights? Right. And, you know, it's, it's different about that. It's about about finding peace and balance, you know. And that's kind of the great thing about the ending is, you know, Luke pro- Astro projects himself in a way to keep the peace. And he has a hero's ending. It's just interesting that nobody yeah. thought of it as, like, this hero's ending because he didn't fight back then. Yeah. Right. And I th- he, he's... he's he doesn't make one uh, serious offensive move in that whole um, sort of in that sequence. Whole sequence mm-hmm. at the end. He's only exactly. digging in and def- defending, quote unquote, defending against you know uh, Kylo slash Ben and, until they realize that he's just an apparition or a, or a vision or something like that. You know, projecting sort himself to this other planet and you know another thing that we've never seen done before that is that was just immediately like very cool and believable and kind of a cool wrinkle in the storytelling of the movie um he goes he he goes out a pacifist still in the end right and that did crystallize his character for where he, he, mm-hmm. he yeah. started the the ben solo to kylo ren arc by betraying him and being this insecure Jedi Master who still doesn't really have the methods to teach the Force and understand the Force in the ways he wishes he could because his own upbringing as a Jedi was fractured and still confusing. So he's he's jaded as well as sad and and he while starting the kind of whole new saga by betraying this talented young Jedi by the name of Ben Solo, he saves all of his friends from you know, Kylo Ren, Ben Solo, by not attacking him and forcing Ben to use the anger that he is misplacing by, by you know, and, and losing focus of what the actual goal is mm-hmm. to snuff out the rebellion, which in the end, spoiler alert, they are not able to, though the entire rebellion now fits on the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, it's fun too because a lot of people were like also mad that the, you know, the rebellion is dead. Um, well, it's like, well, no, what's great about what Ryan Johnson did is he wasn't like, okay, now the rebels are going to be holed up here. They're, it's going to be, number one, it's clearly evident by the casino plot and the little boy with the broom at the end that the rebellion has spir- inspired a new generation. Right. Luke's actions, making after project himself and making him invincible and making him like a Christ-like, you know, Defender of the rebellion adds to the mythos of the rebellion going into the next episode. That's true, and into future installments. <laughs> um, but yeah, and I—that's what's kind of exciting to me. And I think because it wasn't a clear cliffhanger the way the Force Awakens let off uh, with its ending has kind of upset people. But I find it more exciting. But I do understand if you're kind of like this is the second act. Why has everything seemed like it's finished? It's on the brink. You know, and, and that's something I want to ask you guys too, so we don't ramble on too long. Is uh, Snoke? 
What are you guys' thoughts? Are you mad? Are you mad that there's no backstory for Snoke? Are you kind of surprised that he died so easily? Because that is, you know, something I think uh, the that's internet... a lot. There's a lot of outrage there. Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah. sorry, Reddit users, that your you know Snoke theory video Dark that pages. you spent 13 days on yeah. to make a top 10 uh, theories for who Snoke the, is. The second that sorry one that you know that was a waste of time. And it doesn't even really matter in the end. Uh, People were outraged yeah. that he just simply got fooled by some young, still learning Sith or sorry, Jedi or whatever yeah, the hell. That sorry, was Reddit, that you up. Voted, uh, a guys, guys, I think I figured out Snoke, and because it's all text and six paragraphs, you thought this random guy from Illinois. That was out, part of what was great about this, and what mm, still um, kept me on my heels. I thought Snoke was going to be more of a deal in in the in the trilogy. I thought he was going to, you know, kind of hold up the same role that Palpatine did in the original trilogy and be around until you know, basically, be the big bad that's taken out to sort of prove the rebellion's power at the end of the third movie. Mm -hmm. Um, And obviously that didn't happen. Uh, The scene in which he dies is crazy. It's cool. It's very cool. It's it's beautiful and amazing. The best scenes is his death scene and then the battle. His death scene and and then the battle afterwards, you know, showing the conflicted nature of uh, Kylo Ren and, uh, you know, a, I'll say it again, him deciding that the past is not to his liking and just saying, fuck the past, I'm going to cut the past in half with a lightsaber. Um, It's pretty great. Like, that was one of the red herrings of this movie. Another one was that Ray's Ray's parents, nobodies. Nobodies. They're just nobodies. nobodies. And the, the, oh, god damn, that scene... That, no, no, no. I, 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 I honestly, and and I love that her her parents are nobodies because it means that anybody can be amazing in this universe, just like they showed with the kid with the broom. Her, her I parents so many Ray Kenobi uh, posters, <laughs> and I wrote so much Ray Kenobi fan fiction yeah. that I'm really bummed that it's not actually canon. There was um, a lot of incest, Rule Thirty Four, Luke and Leia porn out there to conceive. Wow, Rey, uh, uh, you know I Rey. didn't. Uh, Nah, I, that, I didn't look that up. That was too much. I, I'm not <laughs> saying I looked it up. I, well, I don't want to, you know. But the, it's, it's so funny browsing. that, you know, for a lot of these people, they needed such background stories for, you know, Snoke. And they needed to have a Skywalker parentage or Skywalker, mm-hmm. you know. This is our, you know, niece, actually. Don't yeah. you remember, Han? I got a sister, kid. She's <laughs> <laughs> your mom. <laughs> And it, it, it's it's funny because if you leave Snoke and uh, you leave Snoke and uh, Ray as like a Skywalker in the last film, you're basically doing uh, the Last Jedi. You're basically gonna have Snoke is Palpatine, Kylo Ren is Vader, Ray is you know Luke Skywalker. You're yeah. basically gonna go to that same endpoint where you're gonna defeat Snoke. You're gonna kind of convert Kylo Ren right at the end, and then. And then you're like, that's the end of the trilogy. And it's like, hmm, isn't that just a repeat of before? Like, the fact that it threw so many curveballs like this, I think is better for the franchise than better for the fans. I agree. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it, it was just another subversion along with uh, a multitude of other things in the movie. All right, so do we want to do just kind of like quick hits, other mm-hmm. sort of, uh, favorite moments, fun stuff of the movie, and then sort of uh, uh, wrap it up and um, you know get get yeah. our people thinking about next week's episode. 
Yeah, let's uh, let's do it real quick. So, should we just go around and say favorite moment real quick, Johnny? Uh, yes, and this is not just uh, for pure kind of escapism. This is also for uh, it, it's kind of it's another point giving credit to the movie for being a good movie beyond just being a Star Wars film. Um, I liked the the inclusion of the Canto Bite storyline for its bringing like real world implications from mm. our world mm-hmm. I, I should say into the Star Wars universe as as all these people living on this casino planet um, basically bankrolling the wars just you know it's a nod towards like you know the real world and kind of people becoming uh, more aware of the fact that like the, the military industrial complex is is basically the world's greatest industry um, and that being included as a part of, uh, you know, the political world of Star Wars, I thought was really interesting and a good way to, to make Finn realize like what it meant to be a rebel and, uh, and that, you know, there's a little bit of gray area when it comes to the good guys and the bad guys and the guys that are, you know, maybe pulling the strings. It also gave us a good, maybe possibly, um, Lando Calrissian analog hopefully carves his, his own little bit of a thing, Benicio Del Toro, as I thought. Uh, probably a net zero in this movie. He did some dumb things. He did some kind of confusing things, but I think he'll probably be coming back in the third movie. Mm-hmm. He's an interesting guy to have in the Star Wars universe, as it is, mm-hmm. and he's morally gray, and we love those characters. So I like the Canto Bite storyline as a whole, not for its narrative purpose but because of the bits and pieces that we get out of it steve i mean i guess i just the the part i love most about this movie was the departure from what we all expected and how that sets us up for a third one you know for maybe a culminating act maybe maybe not but just the fact that it, it totally changed the game and now the preconceived notions that you know we expected snoke to make it through and um, to maybe have Adam Driver's character or Kylo Ren kill him later or be a, a more subservient character. Now he's kind of head honcho mm-hmm. at this point. So it and makes you less calling the shots. Able to know what to expect in the. In the Very much so. Yeah. It's just, movie. it's sort of a little bit more up in the air. And um, it also, yeah, I think the, the grayscale elements, you know, the, the bar was not nearly as black and white as, you know, personally, I think. Four or five episodes, four, five, and six were. It's a lot more grayscale now, and it's yeah. a lot more. You don't know who is, you know, truly out for the best intentions. You don't know who's, you know, out there for the worst. You know, even mm-hmm. Kylo Ren was, you know, he's still posturing going. as maybe a maybe not so bad a guy, yeah. despite you know previous acts. And we still don't and even really totally. He's we we have to we, think that he's still not totally bought into like right. The Sith and the Jedi as as certainly not as yeah. important constructs in the universe. He's yeah, he has some different ideas, and, and uh, he's willing to kill the past. Kill the past. Kevin, what is what was your what was your favorite tidbit? Uh, I think the battle in the throne room. I think it was really smart. Because of the red background, yeah, I think that's the closest we'll get to a bloody Star Wars fight. Yeah, this is a movie meant for children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's meant for uh, kids. Don't forget. 
And I think because we had just seen Snoke die and we were kind of reeling off to that WTF moment, the fact that the battle was intense as it was added to the pressure of like, oh, we might kill off Kylo Ren or Rey. Because usually when the Jedi fight, when the Sith fight, you know, it's easy peasy killing those alien robots. Yeah. No problem. But then like knowing that these were like well-tested guards added to the, you know, uh, lump in your throat of watching that fight. And I, I think agree. It's the best um, Star Wars fight, like realistic fight. I mean, I'm sure. I was gonna yeah. say you can you can go back and I think nothing beats the um, um, first uh, lightsaber battle in the New Hope, and just because of the tension and then realizing yeah. who those two are. You mean with Obi Wan and and uh, Darth Vader? Yeah, I I agree. Obi-Wan. I think. You can look at the three, each trilogy, um, as far as its fighting mechanics go, and the original trilogy is like, it's like people, there are people walking at each other and, and like literally rotating from the wrist and trying to hit each other and like stabbing and stuff. And then, and then the the prequel trilogy is all this crazy like wushu fighting and like, um, you know, George Lucas going way over the top, hiring all these crazy martial artists and incorporating that in, and it's wild and. CGI is a little bit overdone, mm-hmm. and then with this, I feel like um, it it kind of it's a little bit more like slashy. It's a little it's a little less refined. It's a little mm-hmm. less polished, and like more you have gritty. cool moments. You have cool moments like Ray throwing the lightsaber to Kylo, and him just catching it and turning it on, and and just blowing the blowing the face out of this one of these Praetorian guards. And it's super cool, and you know these these guards have like cool weapons of their own that they use in interesting ways. I have, to, I think, I definitely agree, Kevin. It's certainly up there in the pantheon of fun Star Wars fights. Now I realize you just sound like a pretty big fanboy who loved it, and I think I'm not even I'm not a Star Wars fan. I'm not. To prove ourselves. I think we need to pick a moment that we did not like. Okay, yeah, I can I can point to a I can point to more than one that I didn't like. I don't think. Um, uh, yeah. Um. I think the while I did like Candlebite for what it gave us, I think it was probably the weakest part of the film. Um, it had just it had weird mo- like BB-8 was probably the most redeeming part of it. Um, the whole Rose and uh, Finn storyline felt a little bit forced, and I felt as though for some reason we could have lost someone. Like, there could have been higher stakes. There could have been, like, more of an emotional loss in this movie that I don't think that they had the guts to go with. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I think, yeah. yeah. Steve, anything from you? I, dovetailing, John Boyega's character, I mean, Finn, Rose, that, that relationship was, for me, kind of contrived. And it oh, was, and a part of that, the Finn character is Phasma really not meaning anything. Phasma was kind of a waste of a character. Captain yeah. Phasma is such an important, integral <laughs> Is that your, yeah. is that yeah. your Gwendolyn Christie? Talking about Captain Phasma, <laughs> not much it means to Star Wars. Yeah. You know, probably <laughs> Star Wars heads that like this movie will probably go like, oh, well, you know, she's yeah. like the new Boba Fett. And it's like, all right, well, whatever. We knew, we, we, we know now really that Boba him Fett either. wasn't really that great. <laughs> yeah, and like, uh, Captain Phasma had been in a uh, holiday special. Um, yeah. Just a holiday special. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so, Steve, anything else? I, I mean, ju- just that really kind of 
kind of didn't really fit with the the whole story. It was okay, but it I don't think it really brought a whole lot of value outside of just like being a nice plot point and being a nice little romance. But I like the humor, and I think like some people took a lot of issue with across the, the board. You like the humor for the most part, yeah. Like I I like the scene with the iron coming in, and it looked like a spaceship. I might have been the only person in the theater to laugh out loud at that. No, you laughed out loud at that, and I was yes. like, I was like looking down or like trying to silence my phone or something, make sure it was silent. And like, I heard you laugh, and like a couple other people around us laugh. And I was like, I looked up, and it was already pulling back from the iron. I was like, what just happened? And I and Steve was like, oh, it's like it was like really enclosed, and then it looked like a star destroyer, and then like they pulled back, and it was an iron. And I was kind of like, oh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it was just it was it was so light and like that and you know the the nurse characters on on um you know Luke's Island that they were they were great good they were physical fun. comedy yeah I, I'd say the, probably more than fifty percent of the comedy that was added the non regular Star Wars bantery comedy I thought I liked I like the new additions yeah interesting because I think one of my biggest complaints is uh, the jokes I think starting <laughs> off with the Poe Dameron joke. Not only did that joke seem dated, but it's the joke, I think, that made a lot of Star Wars fanboys go, uh, Here we wait, go. hold on a second, what is this? Is this a joke? And I think because you have such an epic space battle afterwards, that by starting out with that humor, it really threw people off, and for some people, they didn't, I don't think they recovered from the Poe Dameron uh, joke. And so... I think I'm kind of mad at that humor and parts of that humor. But did you like it? Humor did did from... you like that though, or or, or no? Or... I didn't. I think it. I think a lot of the humor kind of took me out of. Okay, because I don't want to. I don't want to to and, put our view through the lenses of like, oh well, I wonder how it was received by others and like whether they be Star Wars nerds or like more like no, just film it was, heads. It was in more, I think what I'm trying to say is it, it was easier for me to get back into the film when a joke misfired than I think for other people. Okay. Mm. But they, those, some of those jokes did take me out of the film. As someone who kind of writes a lot of humor and jokes, I felt like some of the jokes were kind of like, Haha, wouldn't that be funny? And no one was like, no, maybe weird, you know? <laughs> and there's been so many times I've written something, and I think it's the funniest thing in the world, and I will show someone or, you know, try to perform it, and it will just bomb. And I felt like sometimes Ryan Johnson, who wrote and directed, so I do say Ryan Johnson, uh, could have used a second opinion on some of the humor or done it and edited it more in a... Uh, it could have been a little, a little refined. And I think, yeah, yeah and I think uh, Star Wars humor is very subtle, and it's very um, visual sometimes. And I think Ryan Johnson tried to do that, but I think he misfired on a couple of things. And uh, yeah, I think. And uh, I think also we'll... about cut down on ten minutes. Yeah, are you saying our podcast or the movie? Uh, uh, oh, our podcast is a good twenty. <laughs> uh, the Star Wars discussion went on pretty long. Um, but you're saying you you thought the movie could have been ten minutes shorter? Ten minutes shorter, uh, retooled or cut some of the jokes. Ugh, now you're just finding things to complain about. Young casino plot. Ugh, they could have lost a little bit there. But then you, you we needed Benicio it. del Toro. We needed him. That's true. We really needed his uh, yeah stuttering. That was a weird choice. Yeah, interesting choice. Mm -hmm. 
All right. Um, I think unless anyone else has anything to add, um, yeah, that was uh, a very fun first, you know, shot at uh, doing our little podcast thing. But we're wait, certainly going to iron some things out. Johnny, lest I forget how pick. we're going to how we're going. We pass that to Steve so he can he can run the farm. <laughs> Uh, that was that some up. good sound effects. Like you, you just scratched this up the table, fucking table, dude. Yeah. <laughs> uh, worth it, though, for that sound effect. Yeah, I'm sure. We'll cut it in post. <laughs> we'll fix it in the minute. All right, so this Johnny is currently yeah, scrambling right. around the names of 20 crappy, low-rated IMDb uh, films that are currently streamed on Netflix. And I, would, I want to go on a little background on this. I was, I was sitting here at the table in our sort of common area in our apartment prepping for this podcast a little bit, and Kevin was looking at his computer and playing with um, Netflix on the projector that we have here in our uh, in our apartment and was going through IMDb looking at, uh, what, what was your search term, worst movies ever? No, I didn't do like a category search. I would just kind of scroll to the end of um, like the romance category and sci-fi category. So you go to categories and then scroll, yeah. scroll and then for I a would, couple pages. And if it's, I think if it started with stock footage or an immediate voiceover... I would uh, double check it on IMDb, make sure it was like under six rating or had like one star out of five. And yeah. I'd be like, all right, let's We're talking the cream the of the crop of Netflix there one stars and IMDb 40 and below here. Uh, a good chunk of that. And that makes also me happy. a few crappy blockbusters and then a few crappy like independent romance films. You got 20, 20 names in here? 20, 20 Netflix titles in there, man. So, uh, 2020 crappy films. And I'll try to remember if I remember anything about them. And so what do we have? Oh, this is one that I actually saw you looking at. This is Naomi and Ellie's No Kiss List. Naomi and Ellie's No Kiss List. I don't remember this one at all. Well, here, let's just, I'm going to... Look up a brief description um, just to get a little teaser of what's going on. Yeah, just to give uh, everyone No Kiss List. Um... I must assume that I'm, it must I'm be guessing someone's going to break that kiss list. I'm, I'm assuming I that they're setting up the list. To, lists are meant to be to broken. Be broken. Lists are meant to be broken. Well, it's not a BuzzFeed list, Kevin. Yeah. This is a no kiss list. Yeah, I don't think there's any gifts on the list. <laughs> so it is an American romantic comedy drama film written by Amy Andelson and Emily Meyer and directed by Kristen Hange. Okay. So actually, it's pretty great. Uh, you know, fully. Uh, uh, it looks like it's going to be two female leads. It's um, two lead writers that are women, and Love it. the director is a woman. So we appreciate uh, having you know power structures in Hollywood being you know fairly shared between the men and the women. Uh, we do not discriminate in our uh, in our belittling and yeah. our in our criticism. What is, what's the uh, IMDb? Uh, any mm-hmm. like ratings for it? Please. Let me. It's a. It's a, actually a three star rating. Wow. On IMDb, this might be. Wow. This might be too good. If it ends up being actually good, and and we have. We to, will cut this in post, and Johnny will be picking a new name. You'll be picking Will Smith's Wild Wild West. No, no, no. I I like this. I want to. I don't want to tempt fate. I mm-hmm. I like where what we you know. I I chose it out of a, out of a bowl, out of a porcelain bowl for so a reason. It's meant to be. Badly, but if it's a good movie, then. You know, we can still we, we can still make fun of good movies. That's not impossible. It must have started with either stock footage or yeah. uh, an immediate voiceover because I would not pick something that looked decent. Well, so- okay, so <laughs> na- here you go, listener. Naomi and Ellie or Ailey, 
Ailey's no kiss list does not look like it starts decent, according to Kevin. Um, so we'll kind of we'll go into a little bit more details at the beginning of the podcast next week on sort of how we're gonna make that all happen. But uh, for this first intro slash uh, Star Wars: The Last Jedi pod for Kevin Hill. For Steve Kernick. Thank you for joining us, Steve. I'm John Lake. Pleasure to be here. And we will talk to you guys soon. All right, what's the name of the film? The name of the film is Naomi and Ellie's Kiss List. See you on the couch. No kiss list. See you on the couch for Naomi and Ellie's No Kiss List. I'll see you there, buddy. I'll see you there.